This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. The performance is driven by just a handful of days. And so if you miss and aren't in the market for those days that are really up, you miss out on kind of that long run average performance. This show is dedicated to helping you straighten your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill. And today we're going to do two things. First, we'll be answering a question from the marriage, kids, and money community about why the stock market is going down and how that affects retirement investment accounts like the Roth IRA. Second, we are back with our mortgage-free segment. This month, we're featuring Kevin from Indiana, who paid off his mortgage in just two years. We'll chat with him about why he did this crazy, wacky thing and what they're going to be doing now with no house payments going forward. Forward. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Steph on Instagram, and here it is. How much growth should one expect in a Roth? I started mine last year, and it's worth about $20 more than I put in. Is this normal? Steph, thank you very much for reaching out to me on Instagram. You can do that as well, everybody, at Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram. Steph, I, oh gosh, I feel your frustration. That is, you hear crazy people like me go on and on about how great a Roth IRA is. And then you go and you get yourself one. And then a year later, you got like 20 bucks. So (laughs) I get it. What gives, right? Well, I thought I'd answer this one with my friend Megan Rebuse again today. Megan, also known as the family finance mom, is the host of the popular Finance Explained podcast. As a former financial analyst and a mom of three, Megan's expertise is spot on for a question like this, Steph. Welcome back to the show, Megan. Thanks so much for having me, Andy. Absolutely. Well, let's help Steph here with her question. Why do you think Steph's Roth IRA hasn't grown much over the last year? Sure. So it's a great question. And I think a lot of times, especially with people who are new to the markets and new to investing, you hear kind of the headline numbers and estimates that we always talk about. You know, I always tell people, on average, over the long term, the market has grown, you know, depending on the time period, you look at nine to 10% a year. And that is true over a very long time horizon, like going back, you know, 70, 80, 90 years, you get kind of that consistent, long run average return. But there are kind of three key words that you kind of heard me use there over and over again, long run, an average. So if you just started last year, I hate to break it to you, but you kind of started at a point in time where there was a lot of inflationary pressure in the market. The Fed had kept interest rates really low to help people out during the pandemic. There was a lot of cash, extra cash kind of slushing around out there. And so a lot of people were putting it into the market, which put a lot of wind in the sales of the market. And so now we're seeing a little bit of what, and technically, officially, the market is in correction territory. And in some instances, bear market territory as well. Now, it is not a reason to panic. 
And this is, you know, one of the mistakes I see investors make a lot is you want these quick, short-term wins. And when you don't see it, you yank your money out. And what ends up happening is you just guarantee and lock in those losses. You have to, in order to kind of realize those long-term average 9 to 10% annual returns, you got to keep your money in for the long-term. And remember that those long-term averages, it includes these ups and downs along the way. So what I try to remind people is when we have these market corrections, when we have these periods where people are getting scared, people are getting nervous, lots of other people are running for the exits, instead of thinking like, things are going to get really bad and you should take your money out and lock in those losses. Look at it the same way you would look at like, oh my gosh, my favorite brand just went on sale. They sent me an email and they said, you know, 25% off or 50% off. That is the way you should kind of look at what is happening right now and stick with it. It's funny because you and I do these conversations and it's not as popular to talk about investing when things are down. It's very popular to talk about investing when things are up and we're investing in new things. But it's funny because that's actually, I'm not going to say it's the opposite of the time that you should be investing. You should be investing all the time. But it's funny to me that this isn't the time when people want to talk about investing. Do you find that funny? People don't like to be wrong and people don't like to tell people like, you know, there is a chance that if you invested it, like the money you invest today, that it could continue to go down. But one thing that I'll highlight, actually some news that just came out today, the government announced that Q1 GDP was actually down on a real basis. And so that is potentially, you know, it takes a while for the world to announce that we're officially in a recession. Technically, a recession usually means two quarters of down economic performance. The stock market is a leading indicator of the economy. So typically what happens is investors are predicting where the economy is going. The market sells off ahead of when that actual economic activity starts to fall off. And oh, by the way, because it's a leading indicator, it also recovers sooner than the economy recovers. So Something to kind of consider right now is everybody's been saying, are we headed for a recession? Is that why the market's selling off? Likely. But the reality is, is that that is a natural part of the economic cycle. And the other natural part of the economic cycle is recovery. And so, you know, don't try to time the market. Look at it as being on sale. Buy in on the way down. And then you get the benefit of those recoveries. Sometimes when people open these accounts, whether they're a Roth IRA or another brokerage, sometimes the lack of growth has to do with what you're invested in or what you're not invested in. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So, you know, I think we've all kind of heard the saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So when you are investing, you don't want to put everything you own, for example, in like a big tech stock, like say Netflix. You know, Netflix reported disappointing earnings for Q1 and their stock dropped like 35% in a single day. If you put your entire Roth IRA in that one stock, you'd be down 35% in a day and it's down, I think like 60 plus percent over the last year. Like that is really, really painful. On the flip side, if you diversify your portfolio into say something like an S&P 500 index fund, that's going to give you exposure to all 500 stocks in that fund, 
yes, you're going to be impacted potentially by Netflix, but on a much smaller basis. And so if you look at the S&P 500 year to date, it's still down, It's but it's only down about 10%. That usually is a lot easier to stomach than a drop of 35% in a single day or a drop of 60% in a single year. And if you want to go another step further for diversification, you can also balance between different asset classes. So instead of just having stocks, you could also hold bonds. You could also hold commodities. You could also hold investments in different geographies other than just the U.S. And that diversification gives you exposure to different risk profiles and different economies that are behaving differently at different points in time. And it sort of smooths those ups and downs along the way. And so, you know, I definitely recommend as you kind of further your financial literacy, branching out more, further diversifying your portfolio, and over the long run, it's going to give you better risk-adjusted returns. So you won't have as many ups and downs, but you'll still have that long-run upward trajectory. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we talk about diversifying your income in life and creating some balance there. This is the same way you could do that with your long-term investments. That way all your eggs aren't in one basket. The saying you've heard a million times over in your life, but you know it's true because you keep hearing it over and over again. Megan, from an economic standpoint, what do you think that needs to happen in our country, I guess globally, for this market to start seeing some upward trajectory? Yeah, I mean, so kind of what's going on, if we take a step back, like big picture, over the two years of the pandemic, both the Fed in terms of monetary policy, so they're the central bank of the US, they control kind of interest rates, and then they did something else during the last two years. They didn't just drop interest rates to really low to make it cheaper and easier for people to borrow money. They then also basically created more money. So they flooded the U.S. economy with trillions of dollars. And they did that by basically becoming a really big and active participant in the bond market and in the mortgage-backed security market that made mortgages have much lower interest rates and made bonds and kind of other things more broadly have lower interest rates than they otherwise would be. So that was happening. The other thing that happened is the U.S. government, Congress, issued trillions of dollars worth of stimulus package. And so when you add a whole lot of money into the economy, it gives people a lot more dollars. And then at the same time, we had supply chain issues that made there be less goods out there. So when you have lots more dollars chasing not enough goods, we end up with what we have now, which is inflation. So now you see the Fed trying to rein that in. So how does the Fed rein that in? They raise interest rates. That's why you're seeing mortgage rates now are at their highest point since like 2009. So where like a year and a half ago, you could buy a house at like a 3% rate for 30 years. Today, if you took out a mortgage, you're going to pay north of 5%. Now that's still low by historical standards, but it's a lot higher than it was a year and a half ago. And that's happening kind of all across the economy. It makes it harder to borrow money. So that tries to kind of rein in those too many dollars chasing too few goods. The other thing that is happening that's hopefully going to help is obviously a lot of the stimulus benefits that were around the pandemic, those aren't there anymore. So that is hopefully encouraging more and more people to go back to work. Another kind of source of inflationary pressure is that wages are rising, which can be a good thing, 
But if wages are rising because there just aren't enough people working and there's no improvement in productivity, that actually adds to some of the inflationary pressures that we're seeing. So, you know, in some cases, like a little bit of a slowdown could be helpful to take some of the wind out of the inflationary pressures that we're seeing. Really high inflation just makes for an unstable economy, right? Like it doesn't make you feel good when you go to the grocery store and it costs you 10% more than it did a year ago. It makes it, you, it gives you a lot less confidence about your own budget, your own spending. You know, maybe you're not going to take a vacation this summer because it's costing you more to feed your family every month, to fill up your car every month. And so all of those things are kind of having an impact. So I think if as much as higher interest rates hurt, and as much as that's some of why we're seeing the market sell off, if it helps us get inflation under control, that will provide a stabler, better long run economy. So think of it kind of as like some short term pain for hopefully long term gain. Got it. Got it. Well, so Megan, there's somebody listening right now and they're saying, you know what, this seems like a big old mess. Stocks are down, inflation. I'm just going to wait until things get a little bit better in the market, then I'll jump in. What would you say to that person? I said, don't try to time the market. Retail investors, and when I say retail investors, I mean people like you and me, people out there listening, people who are not professional money managers. And oh, by the way, they're not real good at it either. But retail investors are notoriously horrible at timing the market. And the evidence we have of that is that they underperform the overall market as a whole significantly. And when I said, oh, by the way, professional money managers are too, like 75% of professional money managers don't beat the market over the long run either. So both of those things, what they tell me is be consistent, keep your money in the market and buy index funds. Don't pay high management fees to somebody to manage your money who isn't going to even beat kind of what an index fund will do for you anyway. And the reason that it's really hard to time the market is that it requires you to be right twice. It means you've got to sell when the market is at its peak, which typically doesn't happen. Usually people are fleeing for the exits as it's already on its way down. And then you also have to buy right, which means buying when it's right at the bottom, which also doesn't usually happen. Usually people are buying back in as it's already soaring on its way back up. And if you look at kind of like the day-to-day -day performance of the market, oftentimes like the performance is driven by just a handful of days. And so if you miss and aren't in the market for those days that are really up, you miss out on kind of that long run average performance. This percentage that I share on the show you just shared earlier of like, hey, a 10% average over the 70, 80, a long, long time. I think the real average, and correct me if I'm wrong, for people who are, I guess, owning their own you know, portfolio and then sort of buying and selling when they think they feel right is probably closer to like 2% or even less because they are allowing those emotions to get the best of them. And they're missing those big days where the market goes up. I don't know if you've heard that statistic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know exactly kind of what I haven't looked at that recently to know exactly where retail investors shake out. But in addition to like underperforming the market average, you're also adding costs to your portfolio. You're adding transaction costs. You're adding trading costs. You're also potentially, if you're not in a tax advantaged account, creating taxable events. So all of that is negatively impacting your performance. Yeah. So in short, 
<laughs> Keep contributing. Stay there. Be consistent. Diversify. Steph, this is the way to go. So if you haven't seen a lot of growth at all, I'm surprised that you even saw $20 of growth over the last year because it's been a down market over the last year. And hopefully we'll see some better days. But if this is a Roth, like you said in your questions, a Roth IRA, there's a purpose for that. You are investing for your long-term, long, long-term retirement needs. So give those decades a chance and and keep with it. Megan, this has been a fantastic conversation as always. So what's going on with you in the family finance mom world? Sure. So for those who want to learn more in particular about investing, I actually have an investing workshop series going on right now. It's a monthly live workshop. You can't join live. You get access to the replays. It's six months long. So we started in January. If you register now, you will get instant access to the first four months that are already out. And then you'll be able to catch the next two months as well. But we cover things like retirement accounts and understanding the ins and outs of those. We talked about the stock market and some of the history and data points that I've shared here today. We talk about understanding risk. What does risk actually mean? How is it measured? How is it calculated? How do different asset classes have different risk profiles? We talk about things like what is a stock? What is a bond? How they work mechanically speaking, and then also how they impact and benefit your portfolio. And then the next two that are coming up are on diversification, which we just alluded to. And then the last one is investing formulas. So understanding the math behind finance and like things like the time value of money, which is really, I think if you can understand that, you can understand just about anything in finance because that's kind of the fundamental building block. So if you go to familyfinancemom.com, there's a registration link right at the top. You can check that out. In terms of Finance Explained, I'm super excited this week. Actually, it's coming out later today. I have a podcast featuring an ag panel of three agricultural experts. One is an actual farmer. One is like a professor of agricultural strategy. One is an agribusiness CPA. So he consults with farmers and ag producers about how to maximize their business. But we're talking about the impact on the U.S. farming economy today. So why are people seeing 10% increase in food prices at the grocery store? What is kind of their outlook for going forward should our people do people need to be worried that there's going to be a food shortage, things like that. Um, a lot of the questions that I've been getting from my listeners about, you know, their grocery budget and just concerns about what's going on in U- Ukraine and the impact on the food supply and things like that. So I'm excited to get that out today. Absolutely. Well, yeah, everybody, if you're looking for, I guess, a great way to just understand what is going on out there, Megan has a fantastic podcast, Finance Explained. It's exactly called that because she's explaining this stuff to make it easier for everybody to understand. It's a great show I listen to every week. Megan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, Andy. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, 
and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? <laughs> if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking the time to consider our sponsors, everybody. Let's jump back into the show. How would you like to own your home outright? What would it feel like to never make a mortgage payment ever again? On our mortgage-free segment today, we're going to interview Kevin Arnett from Indiana. Recently, Kevin and his wife, Alisa, became mortgage-free in just over two years. Today, we're going to learn how they accomplished this family financial goal so quickly and what they're doing with their money now. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Hey, Andy. Pleasure to be here. Glad to have you, man. Glad to have you. Let's start off the show with the mortgage-free three. These are quick, short answers so everybody understands what you've done with this mortgage payoff process. So the first question is, what was your starting mortgage principal balance? Our starting balance was $72,000. $72,000. Okay, great. And then how long did it take you to pay off that $72,000? 26 months, Andy. 26 months. 26 months. Yeah, I alluded to the intro just a little over two years. So 26 months. That is very, very fast. So what is your home value today? Our third and final question here. Yeah, to be conservative, I'm, I'm going to say about 180000 That is awesome. $180,000. So you own a nearly $200,000 home outright now. Feels good to hear you say that, Andy. <laughs> well, I want to remind you of the great thing you've done here, Kevin. That is awesome news. So let's talk about why you wanted to do this. Why did you want to pay off your mortgage? And what was your reason? Yeah, so our reason was to change our family tree. My wife and I both grew up around drugs and alcohol. Our parents are always fighting. We, we were both very poor. We were, on, we were on free and reduced lunch growing, growing up through school. 
And we just wanted to not just change our family tree. We wanted to burn down the old tree and then replant a new tree. I hear that conversation about changing the tree, strengthening the tree. I, I use strength in our conversation because I'm very thankful of some of the things that I had during my childhood. Some folks, like you're saying, as you're describing your situation, you, you didn't want to bring some of the things that happened during your childhood. You wanted to create a brand new situation for you and your family. Is that right? My wife and I, we just wanted to start over and start fresh. Our family's past is behind us and we're starting new. That's beautiful, man. That is beautiful. Let's talk about the loan situation. What type of loan did you get when you got the home? We got a a VA loan, so it doesn't require any money down. We got that back in 2011. And kind of piggyback on the last question, so from 2011 to 2019, we realized that we only paid $14,000 towards the mortgage. And we were very uh, upset about it. (laughs) And... So that's what we made a goal in January 2020. We made a goal that says, hey, we're going to pay this off in four years. And we didn't, mathematically speaking, we didn't know how we were going to do it. And, but we had faith that it, we, we could do it. And sure enough, we, we actually did it in, in almost half the time. That is incredible. Yeah. Talk about intentionality. So let's talk about those steps. You said for eight years, the principal only went down by $14,000. So that frustrated you. And you said 2020 came along and you said, Hey, we're going to pay this thing off real fast, four years. So talk about the steps that you took. What did you do? Did you increase your income? Did you decrease your expenses? Talk to us about that. We have six streams of income and that's kind of the, the catalyst that helped push us over the edge. I mean, just as far as I'm on my local school board, right? So that's, it's not a lot, but it's $2,000 a year. And so I ran for office. I didn't spend any money campaigning and I somehow I won the election. And so that's a little bit of income. I work full time as a government employee. My wife's a school teacher. She's also in the military. She's in the Air National Guard. And we also have a small-time financial coaching business that we coach prisoners in. We go into a prison and we teach about money. So so those six streams of income, we kind of just used those, kept on building those up. At the same time, our, our expenses didn't decrease, but they stayed the same. We didn't take on any new debt or any new bills so they stayed the same. So that, that surplus in between was what we call magic money. And we throw the, we just threw that at the mortgage. And actually, I, I posted, to bring this up, I, I posted in your Facebook group and a question because during this time, we got burnt out on paying off the mortgage. And I posted in your group that, you know, we're paying $2,700 a month towards a mortgage. We owe $30,000 left. Like, I need some motivation because I, I'm listening to too many podcasts that people are, you know, are against paying off the mortgage. And episode 298 of yours is uh, where you answered my question. You really helped me focus and, and it just helped us steamroll it. And, what, you know, once you set a goal and you're motivated and you're intentional, nothing's going to stop you. I love that. I remember that question. I think we answered it with Brennan Schlagbaum from uh, Budget Dog, I believe, to keep that motivation going because he paid off his mortgage as well. I think this community of people who want to keep moving towards their goals, I think it's it's incumbent on us to you know be there for each other and say, hey, keep going. You set this goal for a reason and you'll get that freedom. So Kevin, thank you for sharing your story today because I think you're going to motivate others who are on their path. Talk to us about, you said you didn't really decrease your expenses very much, but you know, you obviously you had a plan. So did you and your wife work on a budget or something like that? How did that all work? 
So we're, we're traditional Dave Ramsey followers. You know, we love the baby steps and loose, loose follower. But yeah, yeah, we just got on the same page. Once my wife and I got on the same page, and not only that, we have four kids, so they got on the same page too. We were just an unstoppable force because we made it an exciting time for us. And we always talked about what it would be like when we do pay off the house. And all of our girls went with us to the bank to pay off the mortgage. So we made it a family affair. We made it uh, fun and exciting. So that's kind of what the big picture was. I love it. Tell me more about that day when you went to the bank with your family and when you guys paid it off. What was that day like? How did you guys celebrate? Yeah, so... It was a day that we looked forward to for a long time. And, you know, the biggest thing that we called the bank ahead of time to make sure we could we knew what we were supposed to do. We had to get the, that payoff amount and took about 30 minutes being in the bank. It was just kind of surreal for us, you know, to, to pay it off. And we went out to lunch afterwards at our favorite place here in town. And we haven't celebrated too much yet because we actually will be in Nashville for our debt free scream in May. So that's kind of what we're, we're going to do a mini vacation in, in Nashville coming up. Yeah, that is a great place to do it. That's a great way to celebrate. He's got an awesome studio there. You could scream it from the top of your lungs and have a great time doing that. That is very cool. Kevin, talk to me about now with this mortgage paid off, you alluded to maybe even, you know, $2,000 extra per month or $2,700. You had the mortgage principal gone, the mortgage interest gone, and you also have these extra payments gone that you're making towards the mortgage. What are you doing now with that extra money to continue to change your family tree like you talked about? Yeah. So, so that's, this is another moment we've been waiting for to see. We had, so it ended up being about $3,100 that we have extra a month. And first off, you know, we're saving for, for a vacation to go to Nashville. And then, you know, I have a mother-in-law suite here on the property, one of my barns. And we're, we're getting a new roof for her, for my mother-in-law. And the great thing about it, Andy, is we can do whatever we want with that money. You know, we've already increased our grocery fund because groceries are more expensive. But we're, we're kind of just setting goals still. And then we're just checking stuff off the list. If people listening right now can just imagine an extra $3,000 in your budget each month to do what you please with, whether that is, you know, updating your home, going on vacations, investing more, having more fun, whatever you decide that is. I love that, Kevin. And, and thank you for just expanding people's minds with this idea of what you can do when you've got that much more money coming into your life. There's folks listening that are thinking, you know what, you know, the stock market is a really good place to put your money, you know, paying off a low interest mortgage. That doesn't seem like that good of an investment. What would you say to that? person who's listening right now? Yeah, you know, uh, it's kind of what the budget dog said on episode 298. Personal finance is it's personal in a way, right? So I know that I have friends who have, you know, three or $400,000 in debt and four to four or five different houses, and they sleep good at night. And, and they have some income, but they have a lot of expenses too. So you have to do what you feel comfortable with. And my wife and I, you know, it's the why behind it for us. We didn't want any, any liabilities out there. We didn't want to owe anyone anything. We wanted to be just free. And we sleep very well at night being debt free. And, but there are people that don't want to pay off their mortgage and that's okay with them. You know, I, you know, talking about investing, we, I put 22% towards my retirement, my 401, my 401k. So like, why can't you do both? 
You know, why, why can't you invest and pay off debt? I'm a big believer in whatever you want to do, pay off the house or not pay it off. It has to align with your future goals. And our future goals is to retire in our 50s. And the best way to do that is have as little expenses as we can each month. Absolutely. Kevin, I love this advice. Yeah, I'm all about doing both. If you can, you know, make that happen. And yes, this is a personal decision. Do what's right for you. If this sounds insane, what we're describing here, what I've done and what Kevin's done and what Brennan did in his life, if that doesn't sound like something that's uh, good for you, then don't do it. (laughs) Do something else. Do something else with your money and make those decisions. So Kevin, somebody's listening right now and they are inspired to pay off their mortgage like you did in a quick fashion or however they're able to do it, what's one piece of advice you could leave with them following this interview to get started today? I think the first thing you have to do is set goals in life and then you have to work to achieve your goals. And, and you're not always going to have a clear path to your goals. You're going to be diverted a little bit. You're going to have a course correction and you just have to roll with it. You have to stay intentional with whatever goal you, you set. And I like to say you have to burn your boat and so when you're going after that goal, it's you immerse yourself in that goal. You're intentional on a daily basis. You're committed to the goal. And that's that's a big picture for us. Doesn't matter what you're doing in life, whether it's finances or relationships or, or career, if you're committed and you're intentional, you're ethical and honest, you're doing the right thing, you're, you're going to have success in it. No excuses as well, right? My wife and I, we grew up poor around drugs and alcohol. We have family members who grew up in the same environment and they went the other way. They, they're, they're addicts today and, and, and it's sad to see. But at the end of the day, Andy, there's no excuses. If you want something out of life, you can go get it. Just like you, Andy, how you, you went to full-time entrepreneur, right? No one handed that to you. You have worked your butt off to get it. And it's just like my wife and I, you know, we... We have hustled and hustled and grinded and, and we have we have monthly budget meetings and we get our kids involved and we teach them about finances right now and because it's our goal in life to be financially free and to teach our kids because it's so important for us. And bad things, you know, Mur- Murphy comes around. Bad things are going to happen and you got to roll with it. And it's so much easier to fight Murphy when you are debt free with an emergency fund. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Yes. Set those goals, go for them with full vigor and just get it done. Absolutely. Kevin, you mentioned you have a financial coaching practice. You're helping people in prisons right now to have that extra energy and extra knowledge to, you know, take their lives in a new direction, to change their situation, change their family tree. If people wanted to learn more about that or learn more about you, is there a way that they could get a hold of you? I'm just on Facebook, Kevin Arnett on Facebook. You can find me in in your Facebook group. Our business is called Pink Line Financial. We don't promote it at all just because we don't need to. (laughs) Yeah, on, on Facebook, that's the best place to find me. Excellent. Well, why don't we do that? Why don't we just tell people to join our Thriving Families Facebook community? You can do that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. And Kevin is an active member in there and he's helping motivate people like he has today. So everybody check out that community, marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. And you can ping Kevin in there and uh, thank him for his transparency, honesty, and inspiring story. That would mean a lot to me. Kevin, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Andy. As a 
quick reminder, this show is for entertainment purposes only, my friends. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to join me and 1,300 others in our Thriving Families Facebook community. We are all about sharing and helping each other thrive on this family financial independence thing we're going on, man. Recently, group member Allison shared this awesome family win and an awesome picture that went along with it as well. Here she is. We're on our first vacation, just the four of us. Our kids' first time seeing the ocean. Yeah, and she included this great picture of her on her vacation. Allison, I love family vacations. I can feel your joy coming through this post you did on our Thriving Families group. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. This is what happens when we take care of our finances, everybody. Guilt-free, relaxing family travel. Making memories that will last a lifetime. Just like Kevin, who crushed his mortgage in our episode today, he's got home updates on the horizon and vacations. These are now easier than ever before. And it's a lot easier when you've got your money situation just under control, both Allison and Kevin. Nice work, Allison. Congratulations. Can I get a round of applause for our friend Allison for sharing with us? Thank you so much, Allison. If you want to share your family financial goals and your accomplishments with us, we've got a place for you to do that, everybody. That's the Thriving Families Facebook group at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash community. It's a free Facebook group. If you don't do Facebook, that's all good. You can connect with me on social media at Andy Hill MKM on Twitter and Facebook or Marriage Kids and Money on Instagram. Either way, I hope to see you out there. Put out some positive stuff. We'll chat soon. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Maya Angelou. You may encounter many defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, how you can still come out of it. Keep pushing forward, my friends. Carpe diem. 